I had a big hit single on a, you know, on Hollywood records. And, and, uh, I thought in my mind, I, it was almost like I thought that I was pulling one over on everybody and, and like, (laughs) they're going to find out pretty soon that I'm, maybe I don't deserve this. Most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. We all have our own road to walk. Nothing's perfect and there's going to be a price for everything. There are no rules. Welcome to The Resistance, featuring meaningful conversations. I think I'm grieving the death of part of me. It's not about being the star and being seen. It's about That explore that very space between who we are and who we say we want to be. I'm your host, Matt Connor. It took me only a couple minutes into my conversation with musician Josh Kelly to figure out that all of our struggles are largely the same. If you're familiar with his journey, or at least his mega hit single, Amazing, you know the success for him came pretty early, as in like his first ever single. And when it went big, it went very, very big. Yet since then, in the nearly 20 years of being a singer-songwriter, It turns out that the struggles there, even from the beginning, are all the same things that I struggle with, and I'm just going to assume that you do too. It's feeling like maybe you don't belong in a place where you've actually been accepted. It's feeling like you're a pretender, that somehow you fell into any success that you have. It's it's trying to live up to the past successes that sort of loom over you, and it's also trying to claw for any future success feels like we all struggle with the same essential things. And even someone like Josh, who seems to have this sort of outsider life, this life that's hard to find or, or reach for, considering his wife is actress and model Catherine Heigl, his own brother is a part of Lady A or Lady Antebellum, his own chart success and ongoing projects, including his new album, My Baby and the Band. Sitting with Josh, however, you recognize he is a vulnerable, honest guy who's worked very, very hard, especially in the last few years, to overcome his own addictive tendencies, his own fears, to face his own insecurities. It's really wonderful to sit down with Josh in today's conversation on The Resistance because it's talking to someone who's done the hard work. He's not just wishful thinking. He's not just running from his fears. He's a guy who's actually put in the hard work over the last half decade or so and has something to say on the other side. So we hope this conversation enlightens the places that you're at in your own fight with fear, in your own struggles with creativity, to figure out how to get there. It does take work, and it does take facing them down. But Josh has a wonderful story to tell of life before and after all those things. Here's our conversation with singer-songwriter Josh Kelly. Josh, I'd love to start where we start every episode. I just want to read the opening line from our source material in Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art. Most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived life within us. And between the two stands the resistance. So, Josh, I'd just love to know what does resistance look like for you these days at this point in your career? So the resistance basically being the in-between? Yeah, the thing that keeps you from being maybe where you want to be or who you want to be, like whether hmm. that's personal or professional. Hmm. Well, let me see here. I was kind of writing some. There is one big one 
you know, and I have, I've been lucky to have some really good success in my career, but there's one big thing and my wife and I actually share this in common, you know, right out of college. I mean, actually I wasn't even done with college yet. After my junior year, I had a big hit single on a, you know, on Hollywood records. And, and, uh, I thought in my mind, I, it was almost like I thought that I was pulling one over on everybody and, and like, <laughs> they're going to find out pretty soon that I'm, maybe I don't deserve this or something like that. So one thing that I have struggled with throughout, throughout my whole career is feeling deserving of success. I've been working really hard and my wife and I both have been working really hard on sort of internally diving into ourselves and trying to figure out, first of all, like why do you feel that way? And, and then um, how do we change that? I, I can say that right now I, I think I'm the best I've ever been. And I am, I'm ready. You mean like in relationship to that? In relationship to that, yeah. I'm. I. I. I don't feel that way anymore. I do feel like I deserve it, and mm. I feel like that there's a that I'm supposed to be here and doing this for a living. Uh, there's nothing else I want to do anyway. I remember when I first got a record deal, and and I told my parents, and they actually didn't believe me until the song until they heard it on the radio, <laughs> and uh, it was just crazy, but. I remember one, my mom being, you know, worried. And one thing my little brother told her um, that sort of kind of put her mind at ease. Uh, he would say to her, you know, Josh is going to do this whether he lives in a mansion or lives under a bridge. This is what he's he's going to mm-hmm. do. And it, and it actually brought her some peace and comfort during those times of kind of the unknown for them and me. Like knowing that that's so core or essential to who you are. Yeah, like it's what I'm going to do regardless. They're not nobody's going to talk me out of it. This is what I was meant to do, and this is how I feel. And and Charles knew that because he's basically we're Irish twins, so we know each other inside and out. <laughs> and uh, and now you know he's the lead singer of the band Lady Annabella. Uh, yeah, know, some people don't make the connection, but um, yeah, for for a parent who had a hard time believing that their son could be on the radio, now they have two. professional. (laughs) Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah, And I had to actually comfort them too, when he wanted to do it for a living and, and he was going (laughs) to take that leap. They thought, well, there's no way that both of them, you know, that that it's, and I just remember (laughs) I said the same thing. I said, don't worry, mom, I got him. He's living with me in Nashville. Um, I'm not going to let him fall. And I actually knew that they were going to make it too. So it's just Mm. one of those things. I think, you know, anything's a leap of faith. Of course, there is that sort of shadow self that, you know, says, well, I should be further along or I could have, if I didn't do this, I could have done this. You know, if I didn't have kids, maybe I'd be playing arenas, you know, like those things. But I have this ability and I've done it my whole life where I can sort of see the future and not really in some sort of magical way, but I can, I can see what it would look like if I had not made certain choices and, and to be honest with you, it always looks like more of a lonely life when I sort of cast further into the future. And I'm, then it makes me realize, like, no, you're right where you should be. You're making music every day. People are touched by it. And I just have to keep reminding myself, just keep doing what you're doing, man. Josh, I would love to explore this journey a little bit more. Sure. When you When you say from the beginning, I felt like maybe a pretender, like someone who didn't deserve the success that was coming yeah. your way. And then you said you had to do, along with your wife, had to do the hard work of figuring out what is informing that. What did you find there as you began to dig? Um, fear. 
I think most things are sort of based on fear, afraid of what people will think, almost maybe feeling like I was maybe too clever and kind of found some weird angle in. And also feeling like um, feeling bad if, if, if some of my peers didn't make it, you know, almost downplaying my, my success to make them feel better. I, I, I have been one of those people my whole life that has been sort of the nurturer or comforter in doing that. I haven't put myself at ease. I'm, I'm so used to making everybody else comfortable and feeling better and, and being the, um, what my dad always said, he said, you're a peacemaker, <laughs> but I'm not finding peace with myself. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things that in this sort of self-discovery that journey that we've been on now for probably five years that I've found is, is like, you know, listening and talking more to me, doing more meditation for me. And I know it sounds selfish. And, and the fact that I'm even saying, I know it sounds selfish is that's the whole, there it is right there. You know, it's like, it's not, <laughs> it's actually, it's, it's good. You've, yeah. You have to take time for yourself. It's your vessel. You're supposed to be nurturing. Uh, even just as you said that you find it to be like, it's just reflexive to go into that mode. It is, it is. It's, I mean, I seriously, I've done it my whole life and the thing, but it's, you know, in both, in both Katie and I have that quality of, but I also think it's good too. You know I mean? There's goodness to it. I don't sure. want anybody ever to, to hurt or suffer or to feel less than, or, you know, I want everybody, I want morale to be high all the time, even though that's impossible. <laughs> You've been at this for quite a while. And yeah. then you mentioned just the last five years doing this work. So that means for the majority of your musical career, it was not in this healthy space. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. And I can even, I can see the difference. I can tell the difference in my lyrics. Uh, I have this, I have a gospel song coming out and it's called Hold Me My Lord. And in the second verse, all the other lyrics came very easily on this song. It was almost as if I wasn't writing it. I was like somebody else's instrument or something. But when it came to the second verse, I struggled on these these one lines these lines whether i was going to keep them in the in the song or whether i thought i was being too honest and the lines are i've i've been unkind at times even cruel when i first had those lines it was like the set my second pass at doing the second verse i was like oh it's too honest josh you know i mean you don't need you know you don't need to tell people that you've been unkind and cruel and all this i'm like no it's 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 honest in this song just because it's a gospel song doesn't mean that it needs to be all like, you know, puppy dogs and flowers. I mean, it needs to be real. And uh, the reality is, is that we are fallible. And even though I really think of myself as like a very genuinely nice guy, there are times when, when, yeah, that I've been unkind and even cruel. And so it took this self-discovery, let me keep those lyrics in the song. Whereas before years ago, I would have been, too scared to, to leave that kind of honesty in. What prompted that journey in the first place? Actually, my wife. She went through some some tough – she had a tough little battle with depression, and it was actually brought on by medication to stop smoking, and it had a bad effect on her. Wow. And so, yeah, and so she had to reset the compass and recalibrate, if you will, and in that she she went through this – sort of self-discovery journey and I went on it with her and I'm also I've always been you know I'm 
like an amateur enthusiast of like quantum mechanics and science. And <laughs> so going down this journey, it was kind of fun for me too, because a lot of it does sort of involve science and, and then personal health. And, and it's amazing how everything goes hand in hand. And she, now she's like huge into crystal healing and she's like a total kitchen, witch. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's like a different scent burning every day. I come downstairs. It's hilarious, but but I love it. And I'm, I'm, I'm a believer, man. It's like, we think we know, we don't know anything. So I, I enjoy going down these rabbit holes. What <laughs> <laughs> was there a turning point for you? Like in like musically speaking, where you could tell that it was working itself out in a different way. Yes. I stopped. Can I, I don't know if I can say this. I stopped giving a shit. <laughs> you can I say literally you stopped giving a shit and it, it turned my live shows into something that was pretty good. And it turned it into it, from something pretty good into something like I, I can say this with all confidence. My live show is killer now because I'm being a hundred percent authentically myself. And I like to mess with people. I tell jokes and, and I, you know, goof around and it's just, it's just me the way that I've always been, if I'm having a cocktail with my friends. And so I brought that element to the show and there's moments where, you know, I'll have people dying laughing. And then five minutes later, I play a personal song about one of my adopted daughters and they're crying and being able to take people on that sort of emotional roller coaster, you know, in an hour and 15 minutes, it just makes it so much more memorable. And it has, and it, it took me playing in front of like, you know, decent crowds to like really great crowds and selling out shows. And so, yeah, it just took a while. (laughs) It took a while to be comfortable in my own skin and feeling like my authentic self is enough. You just mentioned the crowds. I find that really, it it just seems like a disproportional thing or something, but yet there's a direct correlation between you being more authentically you and somehow that enabling a stronger connection to other people. Absolutely. And it was immediate. I remember the day that I decided like, fuck it, I'm just going to be me. (laughs) And, And I stepped on that stage and I just started goofing around and being me. And I just remember going, oh my God, I've got them in the palm of my hands. <laughs> Instead, if I was trying to be someone else before, maybe like somebody cool that I liked when I was a kid or something, trying to be like that, do their mannerisms. Um, it, those are theirs. They're not mine. I think it was probably, yeah, I think it was probably 2014 when it really okay. went 2014 or 15. So maybe I've been on this journey longer than that with Katie. Jeez. I guess so. Yeah. Hey, you, you talked about the live show and the difference there, but what's the difference in the actual songwriting? Oh yeah. So, you know, just even like moments like in hold me my Lord, or I have more to, to say, you know, I'm older now. And so I've seen more, I'm not afraid to write about serious matters, but I'm also not, afraid. I'm, I'm still love writing songs that are just a feeling. It doesn't have to be serious. It can be, it can be a sexy song, whatever, a love song. I'm, you know, I think it's just more about trusting the moment. You know, I used to think when I was about to sit down and write a song, like, all right, let's write something radio worthy. I don't do that anymore. I just, I just follow the the vibe now. If something feels good to me, it's going to feel good to someone else. And I just keep sort of chasing um, the feels instead of trying to fabricate something that I think the masses are going to enjoy. And that, that happened a lot. I remember, you know, my, on my second record, the record label go ahead, we need another amazing. And I was like, Oh my God, what do you, so much pressure. <laughs> we need a, do you write a hit song right now? And it's like, 
okay. Um, and that, and it was tough and it gave me a lot of anxiety and, and I didn't grow up with a whole lot of anxiety. I usually was kind of an in the clouds dreamer, but definitely being on that big stage and, and, and having all those people that I felt like instead of feeling like a business partner with them, I felt almost like the record label was my dad and they were like, relied and tell me what to do. And like, you better do this or you're going to be grounded kind of thing. So I tell young artists all the time when, you know, I, I, if they come out here to write or sometimes I produce some of these young kids, I'm like, just remember when you have a, get a record deal or publishing deal, you are their business partner. You are their equal. You know, you have all the say and, and also don't think that when you get there that you got to stop, that you get to stop working. You actually have to work even harder. So a lot of these life lessons I've learned, I, when I got that record deal, I stopped all of the sort of the guerrilla style internet marketing that I did to get myself there. I stopped doing it and I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, we all feel fear at times, but we're talking largely on the other side for you of being like healthy and free on this side at this point in your career, are there other fears that you still have yet to figure out how to really overcome them? Or do you feel largely that you've kind of free of most things? No, no, not at all. No, I, uh, I mean, I have for years since struggled with alcohol consumption. I mean, I just love to drink and so does my, my wife and I've never been like a crazy out of control drunk or anything. But over the years, I've been able to basically tolerance level like consume more and too much, and that has, over time, you know, bleeds into your the clarity of your mind and and the uh, the health of your your body and your gut. And um, last year, I started going on this, started listening to this podcast about gut health, that really helped me a lot. And then recently, I've been sort of working on you know realizing that drinking too much alcohol, you know, is has really kind of become a problem. So I've been working on that. That one's actually very recent. So that that's something that I've been working on a lot. And then kind of realizing in these days of like better health and gut health and liver health and all that. I remember waking up one day, you know, I was like, this is what normal people feel like when they wake up. Oh my God, this is amazing. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, the clarity, it's incredible. So, you know, I'm trying to, now I, I have a very addictive personality. So I'm just trying to be addicted to being more sober now, <laughs> addicted to health, you know, and Katie's got this nature path that's been helping me a lot too with certain supplements and like I said, I'm total addicted personality. So but years ago, I got into cycling and I didn't just get into it. I mean, I went nuts and started doing like 200 mile races and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I lost a bunch of weight, but it didn't mean I was healthy. I was not I'm just trying to find that balance as well. Pour the wine and drop the needle. She knows every word. When she's dancing, you should see her It's like nothing in this world She sings and I'm lost in the sound Of the night they drove old Dixie down Her and those songs don't need anything 
the uh, the new album is My Baby and the Band. And mm-hmm. this is now, I mean, if I'm going by your timeline, this would be the second sort of full album since you started this whole meditative searching for hell, diving into yes. your story to figure that out. Yeah. Since you already had one pass on this side of the mindset, I guess I wonder how sort of getting healthier gave way to this set of songs like how does that mindset influence oh yeah Uh, it absolutely is because if you listen to the it's your move record you know there's a song in there called one foot in the grave i mean i'm talking about my relationship with alcohol you know um if you go back listen to that song you'll see what i'm talking about there's even one line in there that says um do i even deserve help from religion kind of thing if you go back and listen to it i think that's in the second verse so yeah, there's there's definitely there was sort of a spiritual awakening probably before that record in 2016, and now it's it's married more with kind of a mind and body wellness and being more clear. And if you listen to this record when it comes out, the the last song on the record is called "Busy Making Memories," and I wrote that song right after New Year's, huge hangover. And I was just watching my kids playing around in the room, you know, going, wait, hey, man, you want to be around for all this. You want to be you want to be busy making memories for a long time. So, yeah, there is there's a different awakening. And I think a lot of it, too, comes just with age as well. You're getting older. I think that's helped a lot. You know, even if I didn't go down this journey, there would have been more wisdom anyway. So (laughs) who knows, man? Who knows? I love it. I love it. Hey, Josh, I wanted to ask about uh, another thing here. You've always, you've never had a problem sort of allowing us into, I mean, you've already mentioned some of these, like some of the problems or or some of the, you know, maybe the the habits, the the things that you wrestle with. You've also let us in on your family over the years. I mean, like very straightforward songs about your wife, your, your, your family, your children, do you feel like as an artist that there's nothing off limits like that? Do you feel like there are lines that you shouldn't cross? That That is a good question. You know, when, when Katie and I first started dating, and when I mentioned Katie, I mean, my wife, Catherine Heigl, if people don't know that. So we actually met on my music video for a song called Only You. Okay. That I had off my second record. And so we had never met until that music video. And we have been together since that day. Um, so we we really hit it off. And then when she became a huge star on Grey's Anatomy, we were being followed around by the paparazzi and all that stuff so much that it's almost to the point where if you don't let them know what what it's all about, then they're going to see those photos, and those video footage, and they're going to assume whatever they want to assume. So I kind of wanted to take the assume out of it. And I thought, A, I only know how to write about things that I know. And at the time, my you know, and still is like family. It was very new to me, and 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 I loved it. I love being a dad, so I wanted to write about it. I have a hard time fabricating things, you know, unless somebody's like, "Hey, write for this movie." Well, I can do that if, as long as I know what it's about and get to watch some of the footage. But I can't just go today. I'm going to write about, um, I don't know. Let's come up with something stupid like trading stocks. I know nothing about that. Probably never will. <laughs> so I couldn't write a song about it if you if you gave me a million dollars. So I didn't feel like family was off limits because they were already they were already being posted all over the damn place. So we kind of wanted to control the narrative. 
and I run everything by my wife too. Anyway, she's the boss. So if she says, Hey, that's a little too far. Then, uh, I've done it. Believe me, that song wouldn't come out. But so far, knock on wood, that has not happened. <laughs> so she's never minded being the subject of, of several songs over the years. No, she loves it. I even, I even say in my, in my shows, this is one of my jokes. I say, um, what's great about being a singer songwriter and, and, and a writer is, is that, you know, when, whenever Katie's mad at me or pissed, I was like, I have a superpower you guys don't have. I can write her a song and all is forgiven. <laughs> and, and I'm joking, but I so sometimes, you know, sometimes it's like, it's like, um, it's like a, a, a beautiful diversion and she forgets that we were ever pissed. <laughs> the perks of being a songwriter. Yeah. listening to the resistance if you've enjoyed this episode please rate us on itunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast app and for more information and further episodes you can find us at listen to the engineering production and additional music by jake kirkpatrick my name is matt connor and i'm your host thanks for listening